and welcome to Life Hacks for Working Moms, the podcast that helps you overcome the overwhelm, embrace the chaos, and cultivate a life you love. My name is Megan Strand. As always, it is a pleasure to be here. Buckle your seatbelt, folks, because today we are going there and going to talk about money and a unique approach to money management that, dare I say, should actually be both fun and informative. Joining me today is a financial planner and coach, Mindy Crary with creativemoney.biz. Hey, Mindy. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, you, you have a, a knack, I think, for making this topic fun when most of us just are like cringing on the inside when we think about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to have you here today. Thank you. That's always fun to hear that I could make money fun. Wow, That's what a right. revelation. <laughs> That's right. Well, so you talk about all sorts of financial topics on your site, but the one I want to talk about today is really fundamental to personal finance and that's budgeting and you don't even like to use the word budget so talk to me about how you prefer to describe a person's financial management if we're not calling it a budget <laughs> well the B word. yeah because for me so a lot of what I talk about is I am equating um, a lot of what I do around money to what a lot of people do around their health and improving their health and to me the word budget is equivalent to the word diet so, mm. and it completely does not speak to what people really want to happen. People don't want to be on a diet or stick to a diet. They want better health. You know, they want to have a, a better time eating and having fun and being able to coordinate everything while still staying on track with all of their personal health goals. And so I would equate the same thing to the word budget, that that's kind of limiting to people. And so I would encourage people to think about it as a spending plan, a spending plan that not only helps them save money, but also helps them have fun with the dollars that they do get to spend and have the maximum experience from from both sides of the coin, I guess you would say. Oh, that's a good analogy, both sides of the coin. <laughs> so so it seems like your philosophy talks a lot of a lot about the how of a spending plan, but like you've just referenced sort of the psychology change required to to be using this effectively and thinking about this effectively. Can you think of a story that sort of demonstrates or epitomizes your approach that you could you could share? <laughs> well, I so what I always talk about when I'm talking to clients one on one about it is that is one of my own personal challenges. And you know, I work full time. I try to do the best I can in terms of eating healthy. But you know what? A lot of times at the end of the day, I'm picking up takeout. And so for me, it's almost a double edged sword. It's not only am I spending extra money. Um, getting takeout and not eating the healthy, healthy food that's sitting at home in my refrigerator waiting for me to prepare. Um, you know, so, so it's, I'm overspending and then I'm also not eating as healthy as I originally projected. And so the first thing that I tell people about this anecdote, the, the way that I came to terms with this thing is number one, I had to realize that I am not going to be perfect Mindy all of the time in terms of my eating and in terms of my spending. And once I let myself off the hook for basically, you know, going grocery shopping at the local health food store, getting all of my, you know, ideal eating and then not doing it because I didn't have the energy or the capacity to do that. Once I realized that it was okay and I could let myself off the hook and not be perfect all the time, that actually took care of one thing because I quit overbuying at the health food store. Mm. And so then the next part of it was, was, okay, if, you know, if perfect Mindy or non-perfect Mindy, I guess you would say, um, is okay, you know, not eating this awesome vegan salad that she was supposed to prepare when she got home, <laughs> you know, 
what is not perfect Mindy okay eating or what would motivate Mindy to come home and eat something um, if she's not going to get takeout? Because takeout wasn't really making me that happy either once I really sat down and thought about it. It's not like, okay, not perfect Mindy um, feels great about eating all these different takeouts because when I would look at my fridge at the end of the week, there would still be like four or five takeout boxes that were still half full of food that had gone bad. So when I finally got down to it, I was like, you know what? I would be totally happy with number one, a grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> or number two, a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I was like, okay, that actually, and so that was something I had to figure out about myself. That was experimentation. And what I realized, if I have the makings for either of those things in my fridge, somehow I get home without stopping off for takeout. I can whip either one of those together in under 10 minutes. And it's both of kind of my, it's on my yummy spectrum of things that are easy to make, but also I love to have at any given time. And so for me, and so then the real interesting realization is I thought, okay, we're going to try this for a while and see how it affects my, my health goals and my healthy eating goals. And you know what? It had absolutely zero impact on my health. Um, I've got the best cholesterol I've ever had in years. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm exercising more than I ever did. And so for me, it was like, wow, I was all stressed out about this thing and thinking I was throwing money at a problem by trying to be more better about my eating. When in reality, I got to do exactly what I would do anyway. And still, I ended up saving money because I wasn't spending, you know, basically four times the amount of money getting takeout, which theoretically might have been healthier. Um, so that was really a long and rambling anecdote, but I hope we, we could pull some takeaways yeah, out of so, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so that sort of speaks to, um, it's something that I do all the time, which is like going way overboard when I'm trying to do something like planning a budget or whatever, like tracking every penny and limiting myself to the hilt and saying, I'm only going to spend $4 this whole month on anything. <laughs> so, right. so talk a little bit about, I guess, where to start when you're thinking about a spending plan. I mean, I'm hearing this like, you don't have to be perfect piece. Uh, you don't have to go to crazy extremes piece, but you know, how does that equate to where you start people out creating a spending plan? Well, so where I typically start people out uh, is, uh, well, I always say, I think everybody should be on mint.com. Yes. I love mint. Um, but one thing I always clarify for people is that, you know, most of the time, a lot of our budget is dictated before we even even roll into the month. Right. So, you know, your mortgage payment, yep. you're going to pay your utilities, you're going to fill your gas tank. And so what that means is that if you do want to cut back your spending, it really is going to be about kind of taking a, a closer look at your, what I call, variable expenses. And um, you know, food is actually the second highest expense for most families behind housing. So the way, and that's why I kind of mentioned the takeout example is because I've always found that that is the easiest thing to kind of troubleshoot and get an immediate win from. Um, and so what I always tell people is just take one area. And so what I always like is, you know, with mint, everything's consolidated, everything's in one place. You can kind of say, wow, look at the, here's an area of my spending that I'm totally not happy with. Kind of like I did with the takeout. And, and for me, it's not just about cutting that dollar amount. It's about looking at that and figuring out what could I, you know, basically, how can I modify this experience and get more out of it? 
And for me, I looked at the takeout and I was like, you know what? Half the time I get takeout, I don't even like takeout. So for me, it ended up kind of reducing the frequency with which I did that thing, which is what I always say is the number one way to limit any expense is just, you know, if you do it, if you go out to eat four times a month, go out to eat three times a month. And most of the time people never even miss that fourth time. So can you back up quickly and just describe what mint is? I know what mint is because I use it, but I'm not sure that everybody listening does. So can you describe how this sort of automates your spending tracking? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if I was going to use kind of the, the lingo, the personal finance lingo, it's, it's account aggregation software, um, which means that you hook up all of your accounts and let the transactions flow in. And I always encourage people, you know what, don't, don't try to hook up every single account you have, just maybe hook up the accounts you spend from, which, you know, are the checking account. And then usually your credit card has transactions on it. And then what Mint does is Mint's great about, I think, 70% of the time of kind of looking at what the vendor is and being able to use keywords to auto-categorize that for you. And then you have to go in and probably categorize a little bit each week just to kind of stay on top of it. Um, And so when I'm talking about using Mint, I think that it's super uh, useful to be able to log in and look at one of their beautiful pie charts and say, oh, that's where my money went this month. (laughs) And, you know, fundamentally, that's what I encourage people to use Mint for is to really see where did my money go this month. Well, and that sort of sounds like the first step is maybe getting logged on to Mint if you're not already or like me updating it. I think I have a credit card that's not pulling in yet. So I need to make sure that that gets updated. And then how long do you recommend people looking at their spending patterns before they try to mess with anything? Like, cause you know, most of us don't necessarily know that we spent $400 on Starbucks this month until we do mint. And then we're like, Oh my gosh, that's all money on coffee. <laughs> I know, which I had the exact same experience too. So, um, I always say, you know, most of the time I think that if you haven't tracked your spending before, I think it takes about 90 days to kind of understand what the normal is for your family. And the reason I say that is because most of the time when I work one-on-one with clients, the first month they're like, oh, we had $2,000 worth of expenses that don't happen every month. So, you know, but what happens is that there's always (laughs) 2,000 things that don't happen, right? And so it takes most, and so I always say it takes 90 days because it takes 90 days for people to believe me that there's always going to be $2,000 worth of something that, that they're going to have to budget for. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, it's the 90 day mark really helps people get clarity. Um, at the same time, I empathize with clients because yeah, I, when I first started using Mint, I logged in and saw how much I was spending on coffee. And to me, that was an immediate thing that I needed to correct. And so, you know, I, I say kind of reserve, um, reserve taking action for a couple of months just to understand what the dynamic is and understand how, how expenses vary from month to month. But at the same time, if there is something that you obviously see that you can address, by all means, start experimenting and see how it goes by, you know, cutting back or, you know, fixing the experience so that you're getting more out of it. And, you know, by virtue of that, maybe, maybe spending less money. Well, and you have, I think it was, is, is your ebook, one of your ebooks called Conscious Budgeting? Is that one of your? It's, yeah. Well, getting started with conscious spending. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah, this yeah. is what I had downloaded and, and read through. And in that ebook, you talk about perceived value when it comes to expenditures and how you can typically look at something and just kind of get a gut check, like, 
wow, $400 at Starbucks, holy cow, and then come up with a number that seems reasonable. Is that sort of the approach that you recommend? Yeah. And so to me, that perceived value, that is specific to a person or a family. Right. And that's kind of what I think is so important because a lot of times when I'm working one-on-one with people, they want me to tell them what their spending plan should be. And I say, you know what? I don't think I can do that as well as you can because when somebody logs into Mint and looks at, and let's just use that $400 at Starbucks example, you know, one family might be fine with that and they would be looking for other opportunities to cut back spending. Another family would be horrified and say immediately that is the opportunity. And I think that there is a lot of of kind of values and priorities that go into that perceived number, that perceived value with that number. And that's something that everybody has to figure out for themselves. Well, it also sounds like you're not necessarily only talking about, you know, from the original example, like cutting everything to the core. I mean, it sounds like your philosophy is more about, you know, this whole perceived value piece. It's like, how much enjoyment are you getting out of this? Are you getting $400 of enjoyment out of Starbucks every month? Or could you get just as much enjoyment out of $35 a month? I don't know. That seems a little drastic from $400. But um, yeah, well, I mean, when I went through the process, I went from spending $150 a month on Starbucks to spending, it's under $50 now. Um, you know, and I, it's funny because I say under 50 because I know that, you know, basically <laughs> you can set alarms in Mint. And I used to have an alarm that uh, basically said, once you get to $50 in coffee, email me and tell me that's where I'm at. And when I was experimenting originally, I would hit that probably like tw- 12 <laughs> days into the month. I'd be like, okay. Oops. Um, but now I actually haven't hit that in probably four or five years. So um, so for me, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the the whole thing about you know fixing the experience and limiting experience, I don't think I'm getting any less value out of my Starbucks experience. I just figure I, I got rid of the things about that experience that weren't serving me, like buying a scone every day or going twice a day or getting a frou-frou drink every single time I went. So, you know, I, I'm still able to hang out at Starbucks as much as I always did. I just cut out the things that I didn't think were essential to the experience anymore. So when you are sitting down with a family, let's use a family as a, as an example, because I have a specific question. So let's say they've tracked their expenses for a couple of months and they're seeing these places where, you know, maybe both people, both individuals of the couple are saying, okay, this seems really out of whack. Like, how do you start to identify your perceived values when you're looking? I mean, you're not just looking at Starbucks, you're looking at 12 different things. So how do you start to identify which things mean the most to you? And what do you do if they're different from partner to partner? (laughs) They're always different from partner to partner. Yeah. (laughs) I think $400 is awesome at Starbucks. I could be spending a thousand and you don't even know how grateful you are that I'm fully caffeinated all day long. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I mean, I I always find that uh, most families, there's a spender and there's a saver. And so their perception of value is completely different. And so, I mean, I always encourage families to look at this as an experiment. Um, And I kind of, a little bit, I base this on 
an article I read many years ago that was talking about kind of compromise in terms of running your family. And, and the example was that this married couple had completely different ideas of how their child should start the day, get fed, get dressed, and get shipped off to school. And the, the couple was just fighting about it constantly. And finally, what, the, what was finally recommended is, okay, one week we're going to do it your wife's way. And one week we're going to do it your husband's way. And they're in charge of it. And what that did for them was by doing it their own way and not getting any pushback for a week, they were actually able to both identify what they liked and what they didn't like about both processes. But but they couldn't compromise on that before they experimented. Mm. And so what, what happened by basically giving each one of them kind of carte blanche to do it their own way, then they also weren't so invested in defending their way. They actually got to be in there and experiment and understand, okay, here's what I like about my way. Here's what I no longer like about my way. And what really didn't work when we actually were putting our child through this process And they came to such, well, a much more supported and compromised viewpoint about what the ideal getting ready in the morning routine looked like. And I think that same principle can be applied to different areas of a person's finance. Because just imagine, okay, what is our get the kids home and get everybody fed and organized uh, look like? Because that has financial impact. And so I know a lot of families, it's like, okay, let's get pizza or, okay, let's try it with frozen food one night or, okay, let's like prep everything or, or have a chef come in or, you know, so there's so many ways and there's so many values reflected in each of those little examples I just provided that I really think it's worth it if it's a significant expense to experiment with the different ways that that expense can look and how that serves your family in the execution of it too. So would you, in in that scenario, would you have one partner pick their preferred way of doing, let's say grocery shopping and meal planning one month and then another, because here's a perfect example. My husband is constantly after me to do everything in cash. And I'm like, no, no, because I try it for like four days and then I end up with cash in my wallet and I spend it. No. And I just, I'm not a firm believer in that. So would that be an example? Like I should actually do cash for a month and be committed to it and see how it goes and then do something different. I mean, how, well, how I would does that make, play out? I don't I, think I well, could do it for a month for the record, but. I, for the record, I don't think I could either. I would, <laughs> I would make him do it in cash and make him do the grocery shopping and do it and see what he liked and didn't like about it. Because I don't, to me, there's that, there, that idea of, and so I don't know your situation, obviously, but, but the, the, the thing that I'm getting from it is that, oh, well, has he done that experience? Has he shopped for the whole family and juggled everything, uh, you know, and, and had to handle the cash in his own experience? And is he comparing, and recommending based on a like experience, or is he recommending based on a hypothetical? And so before he can tell you the way, and before you can experiment with a way, he needs to experiment with, with the way too. And that's, I, I realize and I recognize that that's, you know, sometimes the road testing that just doesn't happen because maybe he doesn't have time to do that. And that's why it gets delegated to you. Um, but in that instance, 
I would look at, <laughs> I would look at what is the experiment here that gives him an understanding and data collection about how this is working that is about process-based and not about either your willingness or lack of willingness to execute in the way that he's recommending. Does that make sense? That's a really good point because he's constantly recommending this, but I'm the one who does all the grocery shopping and all of the shopping for the kids and all of that stuff just by, I don't know why, it just is how it is. We both work, but that's how it is. So that's actually a really interesting point. But I hear, you know, the whole piece that I think is interesting is and I'm sure this is common. I'm sure this is not just me, but when we sit down to look at our budget, it's like, it, there's, it's so easy to get defensive. Like, what was this $75 that you spent at amazon.com? And you're like, ah, what was that $75 I spent? You know, you're immediately like, I'm sure it was something really important, like school supplies, but really it was, you know, a pair of shoes for you. You know, I mean, I don't know, but so, but you're, and you immediately go to that defensive place. So I think that that's, um, you know, having an experiment about um, what has value to you as a family and, you know, what kind of the gut check is like, oh, wow, I spent $500 on Amazon this month, probably didn't need all that stuff. You know, a good number for me might be $100 to stick to. So I, I really love that experiment idea. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I love, and so I run into this a lot, actually. I run into that, especially with dual working couples, uh, the onus usually falls on the woman to do a lot of the kind of, I call it kind of the day-to-day -day bill paying and like you're saying the grocery shopping and oh uh oh some but we need some stuff and I always order from the the pantry at Amazon and so and then it's usually falls to um husbands to kind of pay for bigger ticket items or maybe it's a weekend decision um if it's you know maybe home maintenance things like that and so I run into this a lot that the knee-jerk reaction a lot of times is the man's going, why do you spend so much? And it's not that you're spending for you. It's you're spending for the family. Um, and to remedy that, I do encourage families to sit down together as a couple once a week, look at Mint, because what happens is you start to remember, oh, this is what happened this week in Mint. I remember making all of these purchases. And you have the answer more readily available rather than looking at it once a month and being like, ah, I don't even remember what I bought a month ago. Um, so I even just say, set a timer for 15 minutes, log into Mint, look around and see what's going on and, you know, have a discussion about it. Cause I think that that happens a lot more easily and you remember, and then you end up not feeling defensive cause you're like, oh, I know exactly where I spent all this money and I can tell you exactly what it is. It's for our family. So, and you bring up another good point and that is reviewing Mint on a weekly basis. That's what you recommend as far as frequency. And then... Any smart strategies there for prioritizing that? Because I feel like, I honestly literally think I still have something on my calendar every week that says review budget with Ted. And I can't remember the last time we've done it. So like any smart strategies there for people like me who clearly get lazy about this? Well, I mean, so I, I say this not being married, <laughs> but <laughs> I always think what I, what I describe to people is I actually get a reminder email from Mint that says, Weekly summary, look at where your money meant. And I get that every Friday. I don't know when everybody gets that. But, uh, but essentially what I do is at the end of the week when I'm popping open a beer, sitting on the couch, I'm like, I'm going to put my iPhone on for 15 minutes and I'm just going to take a look and see where did my money go, Mr. Mint. And I just encourage, I mean, what I found, um, 
this, I hope this doesn't sound so chauvinistic, but I'm finding if you hand your husband or wife a glass of wine or a beer, <laughs> that the process actually goes a lot more easily. They're, they're willing to sit in one place for 15 minutes. And honestly, I find that it really doesn't take that long and it's not as painful. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn out, in-depth discussion. It can be just a little review and a little reminder and just a a quick way to kind of recap your week and, you know, before you kind of move on to the other things in your weekend. I've got a girlfriend who sets a coffee date with her husband and they actually go to a coffee shop and just kind of review their finances on a weekly basis. I mean, granted, they have kids that are older, they can do that with, but um, <laughs> I, I thought that was a, a clever idea because I think what they try to kind of go to a different coffee shop or they go to their favorite coffee shop or whatever. So I liked that's I like that awesome. idea, but I like, you know, the alcohol is a good idea too. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, the other thing that I remind people about, because yes, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about how you're spending and you're not agreeing about how to spend your money, it can devolve into this kind of defensive conversation. And I always say, this is also the perfect opportunity to remind yourselves of your shared family vision of, you know what, the re and so I just think about my family and my parents were like, okay, Mindy and your sister, Jen, we want to take you on an awesome family vacation this year. That actually means we're going to cut back on going out to eat. And so every time we were like, oh, let's go get pizza. And they'd be like, no, sorry. And they'd say the reason we're not going out to pizza is because we want to go on this really awesome family vacation. Do you support us? And we'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. And so so for me, that shared vision and reminding yourself of the vision that this is the reason why we're having, we're trying to alter our behavior, I think that makes all the difference and makes change that much easier. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And going back to exactly where we started this episode with, you know, it's not necessarily a punitive thing. It's what, what are you working toward? What are the values that are important to you? So if you can remember that piece, it, it ends up being if hopefully less painful in, in the long run. And you know, this is something you have to do on a daily basis because you're spending money. I mean, it's, it's a reality of life. So it's not like, um, you know, quitting smoking that you can just be like, I'm done. I'm done spending money forever. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's a reality of most of our lives. So anyway, and I mean, what's really funny. I, I just have to share that, you know, I go for this walk every single morning and it's a, it's about a three and a half mile walk. And there is this one part where the, the hill is equivalent to about 18 flights of stairs. And I am cursing the world as I'm going up <laughs> that hill. But then, and, and so even at the top, I'm still kind of pissed at the top of this uh, hill. But, you know, about five minutes later, as I've recovered and I'm, you know, within three blocks to my home, I'm like, okay, Mindy, yet again, I'm glad that I kind of made that, that renewal to my health again today. And I think people kind of have to look at the money thing like that too. It's like you might not be thrilled to, you know, get into it and deal with it. But by the time you're done with that process for the day or week or however you decide to do this, you are actually going to feel better that you made that commitment and got through that process yet again, because it's just going to get you more and more effective at reaching your financial goals. Totally agree. Thank you so much. Mindy, this has been so fascinating. Where can people find more about you? You've got lots of great resources on your site. Where do you where do you live online? Well, I live, I mean, I think my most active uh, online place is uh, Twitter. I am Mindy Crary, M-I-N-D-Y-C-R-A-R-Y uh, on Twitter. 
Of course, my website is creativemoney.biz, and so I am there quite a bit. But of course, uh, you know, just by by typing that in, you'll also see all of my links to LinkedIn and Facebook and, and every place else. And, you know, I invite everybody to uh, go ahead and sign up for my newsletter and download that ebook, Getting Started with Conscious Spending, because uh, I share a lot more anecdotes and strategies and everything else as, as you go through that ebook, too. Absolutely. I can attest to that. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes, which you can find at LH, the number four, WM.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Megan Strand. I do want to take a quick second and give a little plug for our show next week, because in this episode, we were talking about spending plans and the fact that a big portion of our budgets come from food spending. So next week, we are going to dive into meal planning and preparation and learn some really great tips about how to save money there. So do check that out as well. You can find that and all the podcasts for Life Hacks for Working Moms on iTunes. Life Hacks is all one word if you're subscribing, so make sure you do that to search for us. If you like today's episode, please leave a review on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Mindy and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today, and I'll talk to you next time. <music>